Imagine you picked up the most important book in the world, a book with words that can transform hearts. Now, imagine when you opened up that book, it was full of highlights and notes in the margin, and so you could see how this book has transformed someone's heart. This is The Notable Podcast. These are discussions where pastors not only take seriously the biblical text, but they share what they've been underlining and highlighting, all of their notes that help them share the world's most important book and how it's transformed their hearts and how it can transform the hearts of the people you know. This is Season 5, Coming Forth as Gold, a reading of the book of Job. You're about to hear a conversation between John and Tim Borman, twin brothers, both Christian pastors. Tim is a pastor in Queens, New York, and John is a pastor in Aiken, South Carolina. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support us or hear more, visit NotablePodcast.com. That's N-O-T-A-B-L-E podcast.com. Here's John and Tim. Jonathan... One of the most iconic verses in in the whole Bible. I I know that's a big claim, but I, I think it's true. One of the most iconic verses in the whole Bible is Job two verse eight. Let me let me just read it to you. And I want to just push into it with you here. It says, Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. Now that is pretty descriptive. (laughs) (laughs) Like it, it, when, whenever we have a narrator that, that describes something in such stark, such detailed, such, um, torturous words, it's, we have to pay attention to that. It, it kind well, it's the image, right? It's an image. It's a it's a powerful, powerful image. You you like you have you build that out in your imagination. It's un it's unforgettable. It's unforgettable, and it's it's meant to be one of those verses that is simply unforgettable. Another verse that's similar to it is is that verse in Samuel where David takes down Goliath, and it says that the stone that he slung at Goliath sunk into sunk. his head yeah like sunk see i remembered it too <laughs> it's like slow motion slunk and now sunk and now here we have job he's sitting he's sitting in the ashes and he's got this broken piece of pottery and he's scraping away it, it it's unforgettable I, I i remember visiting a lady in the hospital and she had one of those diseases like you see on Facebook, one of those bacterias that will gobble up your whole leg. And, you know, I, I remember that. I'm never going to forget it. And this is one of those verses. You get to it and and you see Job in the ashes scraping, scraping, scraping away. Well, you, you can almost, you're right. You, you almost sit there and your nerve endings start shrieking. You know, it. it's like summer of 89 times infinity when you had poison ivy and and you can't even wait did that happen to you i i'm just making that up oh but (laughs) (laughs) i think we all have that that time when it was poison oak or it was poison ivy and 
and this is times a hundred because what he's doing is he's, I mean, it's, it's gross, right? It's, it's difficult to see, but he's, he's causing himself infection. And we know that from, from the symptoms he's, he, he thinks it's worth it to him, to him, to, to stop the screaming of his nerve endings for a moment. It's worth it to him to break open his skin and to cause himself um, infection. Yeah. And man, and that's, that's really just the tip of the iceberg with the symptoms of Joe. Like it's, Ooh, I think scholars have said, you know, it's hard to categorize this illness that he, he really have. People have tried to name it like elephantitis. Did I say that right? (laughs) Maybe it doesn't matter, but you, you can look at pictures on the internet, you know, of legs that have doubled in size because that's of, not a recommendation, by the way. Yeah, I, I don't recommend doing that. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll, um, it's too memorable. The stuff is too memorable. <laughs> yeah, but it's way too memorable. Yeah, but it was bad. Just like it was what happened to him was you know i was thinking about this we could go at it like this god says to satan you can strike job and and sort of give it your best shot to get job to curse you and so what does satan do he he gives him this incredibly painful disease from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head so this is this is literally satan's best shot his best illness, his best painful physical attack to get Job to say, God, I'm done with you. It had to have been bad. That's what I'm trying to say. We can, and in fact, what we can't, we can't say too much about it. Uh, like, you, like you say, we actually can't diagnose. There are so many complications. I, there's so much comorbidity, I guess, um, diagnosticians would say. Comorbidity. <laughs> yeah, there's so much going on, so much, uh, so many different symptoms. One's caused by another. Comorbidity, etc. I don't know if that's the right word, but that's what came <laughs> to my mind just now. <laughs> MD, but there's John. so there's so much going on there that it's difficult to know what comes from the main disease and what's springing off the main disease. Um, we, we just don't know. What we do know is that Satan asked to strike Job, uh, his flesh and bones. That's, that's what he said. And, and the idea is Satan is really asking, can I make it look, can I basically, um, can, I, can I all but kill him? Can I all? Because if you strike somebody's bones, the idea of, in an ancient person's head—if your bones are going down, like if your stru- skeletal structure is going to be impacted—basically, Job. Here's what I'm saying: Job is going to think that he's terminal, and we find that in, in the rest of of Job. We'll examine that, for example, in Job chapter 16. We're going to see Job saying, like, well, in Job chapter 19 too, right? Like Job. Job's thinking he's going to die. Right. He's thinking and he's he's going six feet under. 
it, it, it's that bad. So what we don't, we don't want to have a, a caricature of this. It's excessive fishing. That's all it was. No. I mean, there's, there's so much more. Flesh and bones, like, and that, that is the temptation that's allowed. And, and just to, you know, understand that biblical language a little bit better, when Jesus rose from the dead, what's the phrase that he uses with the disciples to, to show that he is not a ghost? And what he says is, I have flesh and bones. So it, that's, the, that's the thing that, that's life itself. That is, if you have flesh and bones, you're alive. And what Satan is, is attacking here then is, is flesh and bones. It's his very life. And everything's yeah. going down. And, and in fact, I, maybe this is helpful to our listeners, but I actually put together, I tried to catalog, because you don't have it all here in Job 1 and 2, all the catastrophes in Job's life, what's actually happening to him physically. But if you can, you can catalog it from the rest of, of the speech cycles, where Job kind of lets us in on this is what's going on with him. And um, so here's just a brief rundown of some of his symptoms. Um, start putting them together in your mind. His body's disfigured. He has pussy, wormy sores. He has fever, chills, and swollen eyes. He has diarrhea, sleeplessness, delirium, choking, bad breath, emaciation, and excruciating pain. How's that for a list? Yeah, I mean, it's it's bad. It's it's so bad that when the friends get there, we're get, I'm going to get ahead of ourselves a little bit, but it says that when they saw him, they could hardly recognize him. You know, Woo. think about that. Like, Job, is, is that you? And, yeah. oh... Mm. And Timothy, I mean, we we could say a whole lot more about it, but basically, I think what we're trying to do is is get over some of the caricatures of Job. You know, we we think about Job chapter one, right? And, and we cataloged some of the things that went wrong in Job's life. There, now we're trying to push into what's actually happening specifically to Job. And really unpack that so we get a well-rounded picture of a totality of suffering um, that's going on in Job's life. And actually, I think we could notice that what's happening in Job chapter 2 is the narrator's actually, in a way, pushing us into that. Because there's so much parallelism in Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 2. Uh, it's almost a perfect repeat with just a couple uh, key variations um, from Job chapter 1, right? The, you have another heavenly scene. Um, Satan shows up. Satan gives uh, some of the same, basically the same answer. The Lord repeats his claim um, about Job. And so my point is that, that when you read that, um, there's so much... Uh, simple repetition there that the things that are different actually jump out at you one of the key differences that we noticed is uh job's uh job's affliction 
um, that happens here in this chapter. Another one is that here in, in Job, if you go to Job chapter 2, verse 1, there's just a slight variation in words um, that you can see in Hebrew. There seems to be a suggestion that the Lord um, is sovereign over Satan. He's making, in other words, he's making Satan show up to this heavenly council. And I, I just want to point that out here so that we understand the Lord is sovereign. You know, he's in charge of Satan. Even when there's so many things going wrong, he is still in charge of Satan. Satan still has to answer to him. And I hope that that's really comforting to everybody. The other thing is, if you go to to verse 3, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Satan rolls in um, in in verse 4, but the Lord is talking about Job in verse 3. And at the end of it, the Lord says about Job, he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him. And there, I think this is a key word, without any reason. Without any reason. And the reason why I bring that up uh, is because one of the things that Job is feeling here is a sense of purposelessness in his suffering. You know, when there's one, for example, Timothy and I, Timothy, you and I used to run marathons, which we don't do anymore. <laughs> At least I don't, we don't. And there's suffering involved. There's suffering involved with that. Sometimes great suffering. <laughs> it can be very painful. And you go through it because there's a finish line and you understand it and, and it's coming and, and there's a great purpose in it. You know, you're pushing yourself uh, to greater levels of fitness, competitiveness, and and there's a certain amount of fun to it, um, and so not all, all, not all suffering is suffering that we would consider bad. Um, it, but it's the purposelessness of it that Job is going to really feel here, and um, can be incredibly painful. He doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, and you know that that's exactly right. And I can I can only imagine. And I think that's the whole point of what we have in the story is to help us get into Job's shoes here and, and kind of ask ourselves the question, you know, what would I do under these circumstances? How would I, how do I react if I had, you know, now I have this second temptation in, in front of me? And that's really what it is. Like, I, I've never heard it framed that way. But that's how I've begun to think about it, is like what this really is is a temptation from Satan. Yeah. It's almost like uh, the Garden of Eden is happening here in reverse, in a sense. In reverse. Yeah. Like here we are in the in the Garden of Ooze, and um, Satan is going to come to Job. Uh, not through a serpent this time, but through his wife. And he's going to tempt him to turn off all the pain. Just turn it off. Curse God and die. Yeah, I mean, Timothy, you're, you're so right. There, I love how you picked up on, on Eden. I, I mean, I see that here too. You start out in Job with human, you know, God-given human flourishing. And then there's a satanic entrance and a great temptation 
And, and you have to wonder now, is there going to be a fall, right? Is there going to be a fall? There's a temptation here. And really, that's, that's the question. And there's so many similarities here to um, another book of the Bible called Genesis. At any rate, that probably brings us to Satan's voice and Satan's accusation. What, what is it here? Well, it, it, it comes in a couple different places. We're going to have to understand Job's wife. She's going to quote Satan as a, you know, really a satanic agent here. Um, but first of all, we, we got to look at verse four. This is, here's the satanic accusation. Skin for skin, Satan replied. Um, so there's a proverb. He starts out with a proverb. This is how people are, skin for skin. And then he, we, he explains the proverb, really. A man will give all he has for his own life. But now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. Timothy, that's the, that's the satanic accusation. Yeah, and it, it, it's simply this. like um, What he's saying is, the human being will make a deal with the devil just so they don't have to feel pain, just so that they can have their life. They will do whatever it takes. They will do whatever it takes, even if it takes a deal with the devil, to get what they need so that they can feel good, so that they can have their life. They'll, it's, mm, it's, quite a, it's quite an accusation against the human being. And, it, it, you know, I, it is. It is. And, it, and it's a... I think we can, it's an accusation against really human, you know, all of us, humanity. It's also an attempt to dagger the Lord. You know, the Lord loves Job and he looks at Job and and um, Job leaps into the Lord's mind. Look at him, uh, the Lord says, and he's so, he walks with me. He's He's blameless. He's upright. He fears me. He shuns evil. You know, he's got that fourfold description of Job once again. And the Lord is is this incredibly relational being. And what Satan is saying is, God, he doesn't really love you. He doesn't really fear you. Not really, Lord. You know, <laughs> he's just a gold Not digger, really. Lord. You know, like. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he doesn't love you. He, he loves what he can get from you. He doesn't he doesn't love God. He loves the gifts. Um, in other words, he, he's what this is what he's saying. God, you are utterly alone uh, in the creation you've made. You made humanity to walk with you, love you, fear you. Um, you're alone, God. None of you actually love you know fear and love you for you. That's the accusation. What do you think of the Timothy, what do you think of that? What do you think of the accusation? <laughs> well, yeah. You know, I can only speak for myself, but, you know, what would you do if your whole family's been stripped of you and is now dead, and you, the good health that you were enjoying is, is now suddenly threatened, and, and you literally have lost everything? Would you still love God? Do you love God for God? Is he enough? Or do you love his gifts? And that, ooh, it, if you stay on that too long, you know, that, 
I I I don't want to stay on that too long because basically that's satanic. That that's an accusation that he throws on us and at us, and it it should make us like shiver and get cold and be filled with you know uh, like you're watching The Exorcist or something because it it, it is that. It is that satanic. And, you know, maybe he's got something on us. Maybe he does. That's that's kind of why it can get to our core and and why I don't want to stay too long thinking about it. But it is in Holy Scripture. <laughs> I I made a con uh, Timothy, I'll be honest, I, I was I was working through this with, with my church and, and I actually made a confession as a pastor. And um, my own response to Satan's accusation, and I, I, I'm confessing right here, is, you know, when, when I really thought about this, I thought to myself, I, I wonder if Satan's right. And the reason... Well, Satan's not a dumb all, guy. He's not dumb. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to go to God and throw around accusations that won't stick. <laughs> you know? And, and and it's uh, Timothy uh, like it is it's a little awkward, right? Like Jesus taught us that Satan's a liar, and so sifting through like what's the lie, you know, or how or how does this become a lie, is, is something we have to do. But there's a and what we're saying is there's a great deal of truth here, and it's 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 a very dangerous accusation, um, and I, and I think. I know Timothy, you don't want to dwell on it too long. I think it's worth thinking about just a little bit. I, I think this is a problem. Uh, you know, people call themselves atheists. I, I don't, I don't know that that's actually accurate. But you know, that's probably another podcast for another day. Um, everybody's got a god. The question is which one. But I, I think a lot of times, what's happening when somebody claims atheism is. Um, God's taken away gifts in their life. They're deeply hurt people. And they're reacting to um, their own life by spiting God. You know, they're cursing God in their hearts. Um, yeah, what's one of the biggest reasons why people deny the existence of God and don't love him? Personal pain. Right. <laughs> personal How can pain. God allow this to happen? And they prove Satan's accusation right. You know, Satan says, "Oh, they'll they'll curse you, God, if if you allow this." And you know, you think about atheism. I, I think about our national culture. You know, what's our national culture really care about? Um, to the extent that some people have actually called it our national religion, is what, what do we care about? Are are we a nation that pursues God? You know, uh, no. <laughs> do we? Uh, are we all about him? No, we're the, we're about the pursuit of of happiness. We're about the pursuit of pleasure. And if we can't get that, um, by the way, that is religion, right? Like that's what we do. Um, and if we can't get that, it's pain avoidance, you know. And we could we could go on and on about that for a while, like the way the different ways that that we Americans anesthetize ourselves to our own lives. You know, we're just trying to get rid of pain, um, just to feel a little bit better. Um, I mean, the what's the opioid epidemic? Um, right? 
Well, people yeah, and walk we, around. Don't, we don't even have to just push too hard on that, you know, because uh, I'm sympathetic to, to, to anyone who struggles with that kind of opioid addiction. I, addiction, yeah. I, I, I don't want to push too hard into that, and, but there's the simply staring at your cell phone screen. And uh, cashing in it, cashing in your chips around seven o'clock, and finishing the day with three hours of TV. You know what is that? You're just trying to forget about your life, trying to forget about the fact that you have to go back to the job that you can you can hardly stand. I mean, this is getting a little depressing. <laughs> It's heavy. It's really heavy. That's the power. But Timothy, you know, it's worth, you're right. Like it's worth seeing the power of this accusation. Satan's not a dummy. Um, he has intelligence that's way beyond ours. And we, what we have to do is begin to see, see through his lie. And now (laughs) that brings us to Satan's attack that you can really see uh, he he administers through Job's own wife. <laughs> yeah, and and it get it actually gets really climactic in verses eight and nine because we already discussed Job scraping his wounds, and then and then the satanic attack comes full force. Like, remember, this is Satan's best attack, and so he takes the person closest to him and loads her up, you know, and points a gun at Job, like literally with uh with his words like satan this is like that peter moment where where uh jesus says to peter get behind me satan and this is satan comes to job through his wife and it's just a stunning thing like god says about job he still maintains his integrity his wife goes to job and says are you still maintaining your integrity so this is like yeah it's amazing god and Say, by the way, Satan's whole goal is what? He will surely curse you to your face. What does his wife say? Curse God and die. She quotes Satan. To a T. Yeah, she's, to a T. She's trying to get Job to do uh, what, <laughs> what uh, Satan wants him to do. And... Oh wow, we could say a lot about this. Like we could say a lot about relationships. We we could we could talk about marriage and how easily a spouse uh, I I can be, you can be, any spouse, any one in a close relationship can become a secret agent of Satan. Just you know, without even knowing it. <laughs> and Satan can yeah. put, can try to put distance between people that love each other at key moments of their life. You know, like if there's one moment in Job's life where he needed his wife to say, Job, I'm here with you. We're going to, we're going to put our faith in God. He's going to bring us out of, oh, that would have been the thing to say, but she doesn't. I, I, you know, I'll pile on to that and, 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 and say a couple things about that. Um, one is there, I think there's, there can be a really hopeful, hopeful moment, even in this dark, dark scripture 
I, I think the Spirit, one of the things he's teaching us here is how, how not to be Job's wife, that, that we can be spouses, we can be friends. We'll talk more about that. Who, in, in the greatest moment of temptation, can come through, you know. Um, marriage can be this incredible fortress, and Satan knows that. It can be an incredible spiritual fortress against, against great evil. Now, in this case, uh, Job's wife goes down, and, and she goes down hard. Um, but I think we can at least take a moment and thank God for the spouses and friends that we do have, um, while at the same time being ready to see, whoa, um, they can be used against us, and we can be used against them. And having so much humility before that um, and fear of God um, is, is such a good thing. But I mean, Timothy, what is what is she actually saying? You know, I I, I remember when I was a kid, I I kind of pictured Job's wife as this just this nasty um, uh, horrible Witchy. witch of a woman. Yeah. yeah, and and I I'm not sure I had her right. Now, what she does, she's absolutely well. I'm well. I'm still affirming everything we said. She's a satanic agent. All of those things. But what is she actually saying here? Well, there's there's a part of me, you know, how to you in interpreting the Bible is so difficult. Like she, you, sometimes <laughs> you can be too hard on some of the biblical characters, and you, we could be too hard on Job's wife a little bit here too. Clearly, they loved each other. We talked about the 20 different reasons before <laughs> uh, why we can think that they loved each other before and after this thing. Um, I forget where I was going with that, but there's this, she says, curse God and die. I, I think, I think there's a, there's a thing here where she's a little bit sympathetic. It's like Job, just, just, um, just let it end. I, she didn't want him to suffer anymore. Like she has that, that um, kind heart about her in, in a sense. I mean, you could. There's there's a couple ways, different ways you could read it. You know, like oh, curse God and die. Like this is just. She's she's obviously lost her faith in God. What she means by it, I think, is is difficult to understand. I, the way here's how I read it is I think what she's saying is God has clearly abandoned you. He's abandoned us. Um, he's not a God worth trusting. And Job, here's what you really need to do. Curse him. You know, up and curse God. God will, God will become angry with you, and he'll send a lightning bolt, and you'll die, and your pain will be over. And, and so, you know, call it euthanasia. Right, it's suicide by Job God. To, it could be. Yeah, that's suicide what it is. Suicide by God. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Instead of jumping on a brit off a bridge, you know, or stepping in front of a train, like, ooh, this is a dark podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, it is, it is. We need some good <laughs> news. Let's get to the good news. <laughs> Let's get to the good news. Well, look at what he says. Look at what he says. Um. Job replied, you are talking like a foolish woman. Now we have to, he's not calling her names. 
he's trying to win her back. When you call somebody a, a, a the word fool in a Bible in the Bible is a very loaded, it's a very pregnant concept. You know, it's he, he's she's saying you are you are not thinking biblically. You are not thinking in a godly way. She he's actually this is amazing amazing spirituality from Job. I I'm constantly in awe of it. Um, it reminds me of of Jesus and Judas. You know, Judas is betraying him, and, and Jesus is trying to win Judas back. Are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And the same sort of thing is happening here. Job is under great temptation, great stress, and he's actually loving his wife. Are, you are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? He actually, if you look at it, what he does is he inverts he inverts the wife's um, argument. The, his wife comes to him and asks a question and makes a statement. He makes a statement and then asks a question. And you can it's clearly he is trying to undo the spirituality of his wife, even as she's trying to undo his. And it's an incredible, uh, incredible like fight from Job that he is not going to do this. And he is going to accept um, good and and trouble uh, from the Lord. And and here's here here's an incredible thing to think about. Then is um, Job shuts Satan up. He Satan scuttles off like a, a crab on a beach, and the accuser with that name, does not show up in the rest of the book. He's gone, Timothy. He's Satan. gone. <laughs> Named Satan is gone. He's gone. Oh, okay, now we're starting it. to get to some good news. But by the way, the n- Job does start cursing. So we're, I think we have to be careful to say, like, yes, Job sent Satan packing for a while, but not forever. That's my point. And, and Job's not the perfect man uh, in this book. He never does curse God, but he sure does curse the day of his birth. <laughs> Resi- yeah, and we're going to have to deal yeah. with that. It's very, very problematic to say the least. But we do have this, you know, what does James say? I love, love, resist the devil and he will flee from you, right? Um, he doesn't, he doesn't stick around. Or to go, to go with what uh, the Job who's narrating this for himself says, uh, I love this statement. In all this, Job did not sin. In what he said, and the idea there is this is this idea is all over the Bible. Jesus has it. Uh, it you know, you'll be condemned or uh, vindicated by your words. You know those kinds of ideas, because what we say is indicative of what's in our hearts. And so when the narrator says here, and all this, Job did not sin in what he said. What he's saying is Job continued to have faith, completely and totally. Completely and totally. This that's that. So he comes out of this temptation clean, unscathed. Um, he whoops Satan, but not forever. And the, what I what I wanna what I'm trying to push to is is uh, Jesus. Job Job is not the one who defeats Satan for us. He never could. And Job is going to start saying some things about the Lord that he never should have said. Never should have said. And, yeah. and yeah. 
so we actually need an innocent sufferer. You see where I'm going with this? <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we need... He's not the ultimate template. And Jesus, he, he kept faith all the way to the bitter end. He, he, he never once doubted that he had a good, good father who would save him, even if it would take a resurrection. Like he, he, he kept faith and up to the very moment of, of Jesus' death, even though he deserved none of the suffering, none of it, he, he kept faith and, and he said his dying words, into your father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Never, never cursing Even, the day of his death, or, or, or of his birth. Never cursing his father, uh, e- e- even though he was carrying the curse for us. Like he, he did it all, and and he suffered in a way that we never could. Like even Satan might have something on us. We said that before. He might have something on us, but he's got nothing on Jesus. And we're under him, and we're in him. You know, you think about think about what's what's happening here. Is you got jo- the Lord is pointing to one man, and He's saying, "This is my best guy. He's not going to go down." Who's God's best man? Who never went down under temptation ever? Who is that? I mean, you have to go to the Gospels, and the Gospels make the claim. You know, God God does something similar, right? He after Jesus is baptized, he says, this is my son whom I love. I mean, never has there, there been an affirmation, <laughs> you know, this is my son. I, I love him. And what's the very next thing that happens? Jesus finds himself in a wilderness of temptation, right? And and Satan says, you know, if you are really the son of God, and he adds in this element of doubt, like, and, and that's exactly what's happened. Jesus is, Jesus is, He's the man that we look to to cover up Satan's accusation for us. And That's what I'm trying to say. And he, here's something we we can go we can take this a step further he, because of what Jesus has done for us. Because the accusation cannot stick anymore. Like Jesus said in his ministry, "I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven." I, and there's mm-hmm. a, there's a lot of questions. Like, does that mean that Satan Satan can no longer he no longer gets to go before the Lord and present these accusations. I, I think so. Satan, yeah, he can't. Satan, Satan fell from heaven, and he, he's not allowed to go up there and be like, "Hey, hey, Lord, um, t- you know that guy Timothy, who's not even close to as good as Job. If I do this one thing to him, he'll certainly curse you. You know, some little thing." And. <laughs> The Lord's just going to, he threw him down. He threw him down. <laughs> like <laughs> lightning, you know, like lightning. <laughs> this is, and this is, this is what we're saying. You, you read Jap, Job chapter two and Satan's accusation. When I read the chapter, it, it can stick in your heart like a dagger. And you read it and you say, I, you know what? My heart. I, I'm nervous about my heart. I, I don't know my own heart. My heart's deceitful above all things. I I think sometimes my heart is clinging to goods more than God. I and and we feel that and we know that. And that's when we have to throw off Satan's accusation, call him a liar, and say, My Jesus has stood in for me. 
He has stood the test. He has defeated temptation. And you throw, and you shut Satan down. Well, let's do this. Like we said, Job sent Satan scudding off like a crab on the beach. Let's do this. Let's let Jesus, because this is what happened, put his his, uh, heel on Satan's head and crush it. He's dead to us. (laughs) (laughs) He's gone. You know, he's, he, uh, so yeah, resist, resist the devil and he will flee you. Why? Because we're in Christ. So let's leave his head there crushed. He's, it's over. Thanks for listening to the Notable Podcast. Check out our other seasons to hear other people sharing their notes and highlights. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support us or hear more, visit NotablePodcast.com. That's N-O-T-A-B-L-E podcast.com. Thanks for listening.